Welcome to Storebrand Comics, everybody. This is Tio. Um, for this episode, I kind of stitched together some stuff from uh, other recording sessions that we had. Um, because uh, in this one, we talk about our uh, thoughts on Shang-Chi. Not like a full episode's worth of discussion. So like some older conversations were tacked on a little bit uh, as well. So, um, yeah, that's just, uh, generally what this episode is. It's one of our Frankenstein episodes, um, but, like, it has some, like, Shang-Chi, I guess, review. It's more just, like, personal thoughts, like, we don't really review stuff, we just kind of talk about the things we like. But, uh, yeah, so, um, oh, also, uh, I'm Tio, and the other guy is Brandon, you're gonna hear his voice in not too long. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, here's the episode. Because, like, anyone familiar with Bloodshot knows how the story goes in the comics. So, going in and watching the movie, it's like, for those who read the comics, it's just a matter of, like, okay, we're just waiting for it to kick in. Yeah, Um, yeah. But for people who haven't read Bloodshot, they're like, oh, they, they would be like, oh, wow, that's nuts. Like, my parents, when I watched that movie with them, they were like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, my yeah. mom in particular, she was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> like yeah, she, she was caught completely by surprise because she doesn't know anything about Bloodshot. Yeah, because it's like what we we talked about, even with the Marvel and DC movies. Um, most of the people that are like, I don't know why I said most like that. The majority of people, like ninety percent of the people that are watching these movies, including Bloodshot, haven't read the comic, so. Yeah. Like, like it, it's good to to not spoil that type of stuff. Yeah. And my mom, my mom hadn't even seen any trailers for it beforehand either, so she really got a pure experience with the movie. Oh, that's but, good, yeah. I just wish it had been a better movie for her to have that sort of experience with, honestly. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I love the Bloodshot comics, uh, and I don't mind that movie. I just know that, like, it's not the best representation of the character or even yeah. really the world he lives in. Right, right. Yeah, Bloodshot, the trailer, pulled a, uh, a Terminator Salvation. Or yeah. Terminator Salvation, the, basically the main character, aside from John Connor. It turns out he's a Terminator. Or, or like he's a T, not 800, he's something. But yeah. Like, like whenever, if that wasn't revealed in the trailer, that's such a big moment in the movie. It's like, holy crap. But it's revealed in the trailer, so it's like, oh, I, I already knew this. I've been waiting the thing for this. Is, I never saw any trailers for that movie, so I got to experience the twist for real. Oh, really? That's awesome. Terminator Salvation. It was, and like, it caught me by surprise, but then like all the pieces kind of fit together once it happened. It's like, it's a really well yeah. put together twist. Um, and I'm glad I never saw any trailers for that movie because I, I, I got to be like, whoa! Yeah, yeah. It was a freaking robot the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause, cause, cause the whole bit with like the magnetic minds, um, uh, to you know do away with Terminators if they try to cross that minefield. I was thinking to myself like, oh yeah, they'll you know there's gonna be a little bit of tension here, but they'll make it through. And then one of the minds stuck itself to his leg, and I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Decent, decent breadcrumbs along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was a, uh, it was a good twist in my opinion. And I don't care what anybody says. Um, I like Terminator Salvation. 
I'm glad I'm not the only one. I actually really liked it whenever I saw it back in the day. I haven't seen it in a while, but I did really like it. Like, I don't know why. Like, out of every attempt at Terminator 3, that's probably the best Terminator 3. Yeah, yeah. Because every Terminator movie since the second one has been Terminator 3. Um, <laughs> they just keep trying. Uh, yeah. And out of all of them, I feel like Salvation is the best one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because, like, I like it because it's, like, okay, we see a lot of times of, like, before Judgment Day, that's most Terminator movies. Yeah. Trying to kill John Connor before Judgment Day, that sort of stuff. Um, but you see that a lot. And then you'll also see, like, John Connor all grown, like, like super grown up. Where yeah. it's like the futuristic alien fighting, like you see in the first Terminator movie, like the first scene where it's yeah. laser blast and all that stuff. But I like this one because it basically was that future, but it was like, it felt apocalyptic. It felt Mad Max-ish kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it was very, um, to me, for some reason, um, I got a lot of really weird like War of the Worlds vibes from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Um, but yeah, so like it, uh, but yeah, Salvation is like, it's not a bad Terminator movie in my opinion. Oh yeah. It's just, it's just a decent and completely watchable Terminator movie. I like that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I feel like that was like the first movie I ever actually saw Sam Worthington in. Um, he's the guy who played the Terminator with the human heart. Um, oh yeah 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 um and then like after that it was like all of a sudden he was everywhere for like two years and then he was nowhere yeah from like 2008 to like 2010 or 11 he was in all he was in everything he was in that he was in avatar he was in clash of the titans like he's just everywhere and then yeah like you said he just disappears (laughs) he got his money and he ran yeah just like out of nowhere so he dropped off the face of the earth yeah I also okay now this one I do recognize this one as kind of like more of just like a schlocky action movie but I do also kind of like Clash of the Titans as well I haven't seen it in a while I really I I remember liking it I feel like I'd like it more than I did back then because back then I didn't really care or I, I slightly cared about mythologies and stuff like that but I like mythologies and stuff like that a lot more now yeah so I feel like I'd like it more yeah yeah i i um i've always loved like different mythologies from all over the world um i've been in love with like greek and norse mythology since i was a small child um but like yeah like it's just a good old-fashioned like monster slaying romp of a movie yeah because like all of the action sequences in the movie like they're never fighting anything human shaped in that movie it's always a giant monster that's the part of what makes it cool yeah in my opinion. Um, I don't remember Wrath of the Titans very well. Um, I should probably give that one a rewatch, see if it's any good. I remember there was a sequence with, like, the Labyrinth in there where they had to slay the Minotaur. But, uh, other than that, not much. <laughs> this is, like, a, a minor thing. I, I think it was... It's probably just me. There's maybe a few people. But whenever I was little, whenever we... Because we would sometimes, like, read those mythologies, like, at, 
library time in elementary school because <laughs> like our our librarian read us like cool stuff she read about mythology she read about like uh cryptids and stuff like that yeah. um part of it was kind of a little detrimental because the we were reading the cryptid stuff and like a lot of us just believed a lot of the cryptids um oh yeah just going forward until like maybe high school then we're like wait what that's not real (laughs) what do you mean the skunk ape doesn't exist (laughs) but like uh but i remember reading um or her reading was it from the odyssey with the minotaur uh oh uh no um was the minotaur i believe theseus is the one who slayed the minotaur isn't he okay yeah maybe yeah i think you're right um but she was reading like like an excerpt from that dealing with the minotaur like explaining the minotaur and stuff like that and that like terrified me i always felt like that that whole like going through the cave with the rope trying to find this this like beast creature you could easily make like a good short horror film from that yeah Um, because whenever i was little it just creeped me out i'm just imagining this super dark cave this labyrinth basically i mean it it was a labyrinth maze it was Uh, the labyrinth yeah yeah exactly (laughs) um and and it it varies depending on like the iterations but it's either a cave or it's like a literal like just walls um i I like the cave version but but i I still like the the labyrinth um but a labyrinth of a cave it's just dark and you're just trying to find your way and like i don't know it'd just be super creepy and super terrifying that that because because you know eventually you're going to run into it you just don't know when Fights a Minotaur. What's that? I said it's a Firestorm fights a Minotaur. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to say one last thing before mo- getting back into Firestorm. Is yeah, yeah. Concerning like Greek mythology movies and stuff is um, yeah. there's so much like modern material of adaptation, quote unquote adaptations of Greek mythology that do just whatever that I think genuinely the most groundbreaking thing you could possibly do with something based on Greek myths is just accurately adapt a Greek myth. Oh yeah. Like nowadays. Yeah. Because no one actually does it. So like, like it'd be screen screenwriters, uh, uh, perspective, super easy. (laughs) Like, I mean, like I say super easy in terms of like, you don't have to do that much filler work. Like, and I, one thing I think would be interesting, you know, what would be a super interesting cinematic universe, the Greek mythology cinematic universe. Yeah. That'd be really like, yeah. Start with a movie about just like say Athena's life story, right? Just start the movie about Athena. And then like, by the time you're making movies about the Odyssey, people already know her as a character so well that her involvement in it is just understood. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, or like even before the Odyssey, the Trojan War, because the Odyssey would have to be a sequel to the Trojan War. Um, like once it gets to the Trojan War, like, and you understand the conflict behind that, like 
by then you could already have made a movie about Athena, maybe one about Aphrodite, and maybe one about Hera beforehand, and then uh uh or maybe Hera could just be covered in the Titanomachy, whatever. Anyway, yeah. like you have a, like that would be a super cool cinematic universe, and you could just do it by um accurately adapting the myths well. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be fun. Yeah. Maybe I'll do that someday. I'll be the I'll be the Kevin Feige for the Greek mythology cinematic universe. There you go. But yeah, so Firestorm fights a Minotaur. <laughs> yeah, so right now we're the Kevin Feige of the DC universe. Yeah. Yeah, right now we're busy being uh uh what Zack Snyder failed to be. Yeah. Or rather, what Warner Brothers would never let actually let Zack Snyder be, even though it's what they hired him for. But um, (laughs) (laughs) though I don't think he would have done a great job with it anyway. Yeah, it wouldn't have been great, but like, it would have been like interesting. Like, like I haven't seen i've I've seen snippets of the Snyder cut of Justice League, and like obviously it's very Zack Snyder styled. Yeah, um, I'll take style over the movie we got. Yeah, yeah. But uh, not saying that it's great. I'm saying it's better. It's still not great, but I mean, it's better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was just kind of the world's collective reaction. Yeah. It's not great, but it's better. It's better. <laughs> I haven't seen any of it yet. So no. Um other than what I see of like clips from reviews online and stuff. Yeah, same. Um I, I saw the bit where uh uh like Iris was getting into a car crash and flying through the air. And her torso yeah. had already turned 180 degrees in the wrong direction. And Barry was <laughs> taking a hot dog and shoving it up her nose until it came out the other nostril. So, yeah, I love that thing. <laughs> For anyone wondering, that absolutely did not happen in that movie. <laughs> I'm just making a joke. It's short. If you want, we could like briefly talk about like uh, a couple of Marvel things that happened recently. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, what'd you think of Shang Chi? That was pretty good. Um, yeah, right. I, I say pretty good. I should just say like I thought it was almost amazing. Like I, I liked it a lot. Like uh, I don't know. I, I loved the fighting as well as like the pacing was not bad at all. Like it, it it just kept going and kept going because like the problem with a lot of these moves, it's not really a problem. It's just like, it's the general Hollywood way of doing this is getting them to start their mission or their journey, how it takes so long to get there, how it takes like 30, 40 minutes into the movie. Then they're finally doing their thing. This though, it was like, five to ten minutes in and you had the train thing like everything happening on the train and yeah like, like the, this the, was quick like yeah, yeah. Did not waste any time yeah 
Like it was great. And like the train sequence is when the movie had me sold. Like yeah. as soon as the whole train well, fight and everything yeah, happened, like bus, it was like train, this is or bus. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah bus. Yeah. But yeah, as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, I'm in. You sold me. Because not only is it like one, I just like how it's uh the story of the whole train thing. How like we don't entirely know much about uh Shang-Chi up until this point, just like uh Aquafina's character, Katie. Yep. That I should also say that. I normally don't remember side characters' names. Yep. I remembered the name Katie, so good yep. job on that movie. I um, think Katie is the best like sidekick character that they've introduced in one of these movies so far. Yeah. Like as yeah. far as like the very obvious like comic relief sidekick character goes, like Katie is one of the like one of the best ones. And yeah, because the like, thing like, is, is like with half of those comic relief side characters, they're like half of them, they're not really tolerable. You're like, can you get out of here or stuff like that? Like, yes, they have the humor or whatever, but you're kind of annoyed by them yeah. a little bit. With her, though, it didn't feel that at all. Like they, they yeah. played it just right and gave her the right amount of stuff because also with side characters, too. They can kind of a lot of times feel like um, the the man in distress or the damsel in distress, like like yeah. they're responsible for the character uh, flubbing up a mission so that they can then save that person. But yeah. that that didn't really happen in this movie. Like the closest thing that happened is like Katie is like falling off of those rafter things. Yeah, and, and Shang Chi has to go save her. Yeah. And like that, that wasn't even that big of a deal because Shang Chi's sister saves her, or yeah, sister. Oh yeah, it was his sister, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so like, yeah, it's and it's um, it's one of those things where like, because I'm gonna be honest, like with characters like Darcy, like by by the end of the second Thor movie, I was so like. Like as she, they could have left her on like the cutting room floor. Like she was a fun little character for the first Thor movie. I don't feel like she needed to be in the second one. Right, um, right. A lot, a lot of Darcy was improved for Wandavision, um, but like, yeah, but like Darcy as she was for many years, I was like, ah, I could do without this character. But with yeah. Katie, it's like she feels like an essential part of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, really the, like this, this movie I don't think would work quite as well if she wasn't there. No, no, it's that perfect balance. Um, as well as like it, it she helps keep Shang-Chi grounded. Yeah, yeah. Um, on top of the fact that the characters and the actors themselves have such um, awesome chemistry with each other. Yeah, yeah. Like exactly. C- Simu Lu and Aquafina have like great chemistry as these characters together. Yeah, um, exactly. To the extent that like, um, I'm normally all for like portraying healthy platonic relationships between um, like opposite gendered friends, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but these two actors had such good chemistry. This is like my first time kind of being upset that they didn't go for a romantic thing with them. <laughs> um, I, I'm actually I'm I'm okay with. I do see what you're saying. Like it could easily yeah. progress to that in a future movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I was okay with it because they do that so often where it's like they have to be um, 
love interest but yeah half the time when it's like they have to be love interest you're like eh, like I don't really feel it whereas this one they have like amazing chemistry to where like if it does progress that's like yeah, yeah that, but yeah. yeah I mean like that that first bus thing where like I was saying like we feel just like Katie does where it's like oh snap like yeah didn't know we could do all this and like just the fighting was amazing as well as just with that fight like keeping it so contained like essentially it is within this bus and yet it like flows really well yeah um, and it's even shot well to where like you have like in the in the bus cameras and then you have like whenever they're going through the tunnel it shows the outside of the bus shows a side shot of the bus and we're seeing through the windows i was like that is such a great shot and a good idea for a fight scene like this yeah i i loved the martial arts in this movie yeah oh yeah like like the martial arts were amazing the camera work with the martial arts i was like yeah oh my gosh and the fact that it wasn't like a million cuts a second during fight scenes yes exactly yeah they got to like they let us like see the fight yeah because like there were so many good fights like the bus one i think is probably my favorite one in terms of like martial arts fight there's another one that I'll, i'll put up there but it's not a martial arts fight yeah um but in terms of martial arts fight that one's really good the one where he has with the the guy with the mask or the paint on him, like one yeah. of the henchmen. Yeah. Like one of the main henchmen is what I mean. Yeah. Um, uh, what else? A couple more. I, I just can't think of them right now. Um, the one that I liked a ton, it's not entirely martial arts fight. I had messaged us to you because I loved this scene so much where he is – that's one thing I want to mention before I get into this is like, there's so much that happens in this movie, but it doesn't like overwhelm you or make you feel like, Oh my gosh, like I, I got to stop watching or something. Um, Cause what I'm about to mention, if you go from the bus scene and then look at this, it's like, wow, that's very different. But it was a good progression to this is when he is on the dragon. Yep. Like he's on the dragon and he has to go fight the uh, the giant demon thing. The dweller he, of darkness. Yeah, yeah. He's he's running on the dragon. Oh, I love and, that and, shot. And the way it's shot, it's shot as if it's like shadows of the Colossus or something. Yeah. Like like he's running on it and gonna like leap towards the dweller of darkness. I was like, so far this is like maybe one of the closest things we've gotten to a like a little uh, taste of like live action shadow of the colossus to to me watching that what i was thinking is um now i'm going to restate something here i do not think this is a necessary thing but to me this shows us that it is absolutely 100 percent possible to make a good live action dragon ball movie Oh yeah, yeah. The 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 I was I forgot all about that. Whenever it was him versus uh the Mandarin, yep. Like that last fight was very much like a Dragon Ball scene. Whenever they're yep. like flying and like blasting each other and stuff, I was like, this is a Dragon Ball fight right here, and it's awesome because yep. because they do a punch and then it like sends ripple effects, destroying stuff and all that. Yep. I was like, that's awesome. 
Yeah, and the shot of him running on the back of the dragon makes me think of Dragon Ball, and like the yeah, bit where yeah. like he's he's you know pu- using his energy to push the rings into the dweller in darkness. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's like all of that was like that just screamed Dragon Ball to me. Yeah, it was awesome. It was epic, and yeah, like this, and the progression for this movie is definitely it does go from like like sort of like low sci-fi martial arts movie to like high concept asian fantasy yeah if, if you're looking at it from the beginning to like the beginning fight to like the end fight it's like holy cow but they do have a great progression to that to where it doesn't yeah. feel yeah it doesn't crazy. feel jarring it doesn't feel like yeah. you're watching a different movie entirely by the end yeah um but yeah and and um oh what else did i want to try to say here oh also the fact that this um is one of only a few marvel heroes that i can think of in the movies so far with a genuine hesitation towards killing people yeah yeah you're right yeah shang chi was not out to take lives to this movie yeah yeah his announcement that he plans to kill his father was a major moment in the movie yeah, yeah. Well, whenever you had mentioned that, I was trying to think of the other uh, single Marvel solo movies. And you're right; like, it's never really a, a question to them. They're like just, yeah, the, just willing to do it if it happens. As as of Shang Chi, the only three heroes um, that I can say like actively avoid killing. Though I will say, Black Panther like mostly avoided it but he did absolutely plan to execute claw at some point so um hang on (laughs) but yeah as as of this most recent oh geez (laughs) so thank you anyway as of this most recent movie the only oh i guess bruce banner technically but like the hulk doesn't give him a choice yeah anyway anyway but other than that um the only three Marvel heroes in the MCU right now that I can think of who are like who actively go out of their way not to kill people um, and like are incredibly remorseful when it has to happen would be Shang-Chi, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty spot on. Like those are those are the only three so far in this in this universe I can think of who are like yeah like they really hesitate to kill humans at the very least and then the final battle of Endgame Spider Man activated yeah, instant yeah. kill mode on his thing so like clearly he was okay with killing aliens yeah <laughs> that's most superhero property so yeah 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 if it don't look human it don't count yeah in in superhero stuff um. But yeah, so like, yeah, Shang-Chi is like the first Marvel hero in a while I've noticed who is like where his, and I didn't even think about it until he said that he was going to kill his father. I was like, oh, wow, like that's the first like even hint of murderous intent in this character in the in the entire movie so far. Yeah. And I didn't notice until now. Yeah. And like, it's such like a, a... I, I liked how they went with this. I know it's like this is in some other movies, but I guess they just did it really well because I think about this is like uh, how he did wind up killing that guy. 
like on his mission when he was like 14 or whatever. Yeah, he did go through with it. He actually went through with it. Um, I I thought that was interesting. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I mean, he's 14, full of rage. Um, and then right after he went through with that, didn't he? That's when he ran yeah. away. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I liked that a lot. Because um, I'll say this, the, the family dynamic, ultimately the Mandarin, he's a bad guy. Yeah. But you understand like that family dynamic of not wanting to kill him as well as like why he's doing all this. He's ultimately crazy. Yeah. But you understand it pretty well. They did a decent job making a villain. With yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I will say like... Um, they did a great job of creating a villain who you could see having been a hero in another life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because they even mentioned like his wife came pretty close to like the swaying him away from his like world conquering ways that he was talking about. And like he had a family um, and then, you know, her death obviously sent him back over the deep end and to, you know, a vegetable yeah. pit. And he became the Mandarin again, but um, like if you know if that had never happened, like not only would he have continued to live a normal life with his wife, but like uh, Shang Chi and hang on, I need to find her name real quick. Uh, Shaoling would never have like become martial artists and assassins themselves. Yeah, yeah. I I do want to mention one thing because I I just thought about it. I thought about it. Um, shortly after watch the movie before all these Marvel movies they played obviously a bunch of different trailers and obviously they played the Eternals trailer because that's yeah. the next thing that's coming out um, that's when I first saw the first big Eternals trailer like the main trailer yeah. was seeing that and I was like eh like here's the thing with Marvel the comedy is 50-50 a lot of times yeah um it's good to have comedy in it sometimes it's like it feels outdated or it feels out of place um there was a joke in the eternals movie or in the trailer where i was like uh what like how how old was the person that wrote this it was the um is the cell signal joke it was like they were they were in their little meeting area and one of them was like talking on the phone or they were texting or something one of the Eternals are like, wait, you get cell signal out here or, or you get service out here? And I was like, like that's that's one of those those fifty fifty Marvel jokes where it's on the lower fifty half yeah. where it's like that I that don't really remember fun. that joke at all. Well, <laughs> that just shows it wasn't a memorable joke. See, a good joke is memorable and it's good. Yeah. Bad joke is it's one a bad joke and immemorable. Yeah. And so, yeah, that that was the one thing I saw. I didn't really care for that joke, and like, not saying that tainted my my view on how the Eternals movie will be. I'm I'm still going to see it, and I'll likely at least be entertained. But I saw that, and then once watching this movie, this movie had great comedic moments, and it, unlike many Marvel movies. They were placed at the right time. Yeah, I was going to say, all of the comedy in Shang-Chi felt very natural. 
yes, it was natural, felt placed at the right time. Because sometimes with Marvel movies, I say sometimes, this happens a lot of times, you'll have a big serious moment and then joke that just takes you out of that moment. It's like, come on, man. Like, I understand whenever like dark or depressing stuff happens, people cope with it with jokes and stuff. But with the Marvel movies, sometimes it doesn't really feel like that. It feels like, let's just put a joke for the sake of a joke. Or let's just put a joke because like, oh, this is getting too dark. We got a bunch of little kids watching or whatever. Let's not get too dark. Here's a random little joke. I don't know. That's one complaint I have with Marvel movies, which we'll talk about after Shang-Chi briefly. I want to talk about it briefly. Um, how I felt with the new What If episode. Um, oh, I haven't watched it. Like, are oh, you talking about today's episode? Okay, I won't say anything. Though. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You're good. You're good. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll text you about that whenever after you watch it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll text you and let you know when I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'll probably watch it right after we're finished recording this. Yeah. That's fine. But yeah, Shang Chi. I don't know. It like it did like so much right for me at least yeah. I, I feel like because if I'm trying to like there's only one thing that and it's not even like a big complaint it's just in my brain I felt like it wasn't needed hmm. um it's only one thing I didn't really care for in the movie not saying care for but you could have just taken the scene out was the last post credit scene where it's his sister over the Mandarin compound and stuff yeah i'm completely fine with that premise and all that my complaint with it is i don't think that scene is needed she literally talked about like right before the movie ended that i'm going to go to my father's place and correct it yeah i i assumed all the stuff we saw in that post credit scene would happen anyway why do you have to show it to me yeah yeah the um the thing with um Marvel's credit scenes nowadays is the last they they've gotten to a point where the last one is usually um disposable. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the exception of like uh Far From Home, like you need that for secret invasion context. Right, but, um, right. Uh like but like yeah, for the most part like all the way at the end of the credits for Captain Marvel watching the cat barf the tesseract up. We didn't need to see that. Yeah. It was just a quick joke. Um Yeah, yeah. And then, like, at the end of the original Guardians of the Galaxy credits, where it's just the collector sitting in his ruined collection while the space dog licks his face, and Howard the Duck's like, ugh, you let the thing lick you in the face? That's disgusting. Yeah, those are stupid, and, like... Yeah, those are, like, little little quick, like, final jokes. I was gonna say, at least with those, those are, like, tiny little jokes. With this, though, it was, like, it was a scene I already assumed happened. So I didn't really see why I needed to see it. Yeah, I guess they felt like they needed something before flashing the ten rings will return on the screen. I guess, yeah. Um, speaking of the ten rings you returning, um, I am very interested to see like how Shang Chi is integrated into the larger Marvel universe now that like he's firmly entrenched in the magic corner of it of all places. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Like I expected Shang-Chi's first movie to open up like the like a new like 
martial arts section for the Marvel Universe. But instead, they've just kind of... I guess Marvel doesn't have enough just martial artists. So, like, yeah, they kind of folded him into the magic section. Yeah, to where, to where like, if martial... If more martial arts characters appear, like Daredevil or Iron Fist or whatever... Yeah. If they happen to appear, he could be in their movies as well as he could be in a Doctor Strange movie. Like, yeah, yeah, Shang Chi could very easily be like the bridge between you know more traditional street level martial arts characters and the higher concept magic and fantasy characters. That actually would be a good idea for him because like you're going to have to want one day they'll have like those smaller street level characters. And you'll have to have some sort of bridge to where it makes sense for them to be fighting alongside like Doctor Strange and people like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that would make sense. It's kind of like how Thor is the bridge between the magic chunk of Marvel and the alien sci-fi chunk of Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because he kind of occupies both spaces. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Black Panther is the bridge between the, uh, you know, mystical parts of Marvel and the sci-fi parts of Marvel. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. There was, like, that was the only thing I, it wasn't even I didn't like about the movie. It was just one thing that could be could have been taken out. But, like, yeah, everything else I thought was great. Like, uh, the one thing I did not see happening, um, because I don't look at spoilers and all that stuff, or spoiler news, was like the Trevor Slatery stuff. Trevor oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Trevor coming back. Yeah, and like him being a side character. It wasn't just like a one one scene thing. Yeah, he was like, he actually like contributed to the plot. Yeah. I, I was I was very surprised by that. I was like, okay, Marvel, well done. Well done. Yeah. A little like joke or random thing in Iron Man three, you you turned it that, that's interesting. I like that. Well it was it was more than just a joke in Iron Man Three. It Ooh. was like the primary plot twist of the film. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying like it, it was one of those things that like I ultimately like Iron Man Three and I like that twist. Yeah, but too. at the time at the time and for a few years, a lot of people did not like that. Yeah. Um, and and well, I there, like that. There are they, still people who are butthurt over it. Yeah. But, but what I like about it is that they like, they brought him back for something. And he brought, they brought him back for like this, where we see the true Mandarin and stuff. Yeah. They didn't just bring him back in some random thing. It was like, this makes sense that he's back and all that. And I, it was just like a good, character bill uh ben kingsley's always good and stuff but like yeah uh, yeah it was, it was just i don't know it was really good the acting so the monkeys were just acting like they were riding on horses <laughs> see like like i said marvel's 50 50 that was funny yeah like, like the whole planet of the apes thing like all right you you had your a team of writers doing yeah. that Oh, yeah, yeah. Shang-Chi is one of the most, like, well-constructed, tightly written uh, pieces Marvel has put on the screen so far. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, in, in terms of, like, the the single character stories, yeah, it's one of the best ones. Yeah, it's the best solo movie they've done in a long time. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's already one of my new favorite Marvel movies. Yeah, same. It's it's definitely in my top ten. I don't know where it is in that, but definitely in top ten MCU movies. Yeah. But yeah, and I will say, like, they did a lot with a character who offered very little. Like, like I'm just being honest there, because like Shang Chi, he's a fixture of the Marvel universe and has been since the '70s. But there's so little about him, um, yeah. That's like left. That like they they really were just left to take a main character who didn't have a supporting cast or even really any notable villains um, that weren't like horrible stereotypes um, to use. And like so, what they did was like they kind of mixed his original villain which was his dad in the comics Fu Manchu who they couldn't yeah. use for obvious reasons yeah, um, and yeah. kind of mixed him with Iron Man's arch nemesis the Mandarin uh, for a new villain altogether and then yeah. like they took uh, I'm looking at the article here apparently Katie um, is based on the character Katie Bashir who uh, first appeared in the Avengers Arena comics which was like Avengers Hunger Games basically or Avengers <laughs> Academy Hunger Games Right, right. Um, and I didn't even make that connection watching the movie. Like, the two characters are nothing alike. Like, Katie in the movie is nothing like Katie Bashir from the comic. Oh, I gotcha. Um, so, like, they, they may as well have not even said they based the character on that. They may as well just said that this movie, Katie, was an original character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty much is. Yeah. Um, and then, like, Dweller in Darkness. That's a Doctor Strange villain. Right, yeah. And it ended up being the big bad at the end. So, like, yeah, like, the, all all the stuff that came together. And like I said, I think they did, the like, a lot with a character who offered very little in terms of source material. Yeah. Um, they just took all the pieces of the Marvel Universe that I'm sure they knew were never going to be used anywhere else and made them work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, like, who cares if, like, Katie Bashir appears in a Marvel movie, right? Yeah, exactly. May as well just call an original side character Katie and say that there's a basis in the comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And, like, Dweller in Darkness, when are they ever going to use that character as an actual Doctor Strange villain? Yeah, yeah. May as well just turn him into a dragon and make him a bad guy for Shang-Chi. Yeah. So like, yeah. It, so yeah, it's it's very interesting the way they mixed it all together. Oh yeah. Oh, and even just looking here, apparently Shang Chi's sister um, is an original character for the movie anyway herself. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, he does. I guess he doesn't have a sister in the comic, or if he does, it's not Shaoling. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, like they had to put a ton of stuff together, basically from nothing. Yeah, to make a Shang Chi yeah. movie work, and they made it work really well. Oh yeah, it's really good. Because like yeah, let me click on Razor Fist's article real quick just to see. Uh... Yeah, who yeah. he's normally associated with. 
Oh, I was saying it looks like he was originally a Shang-Chi villain. Yeah, I was going to say, looking at his article, the only other character besides Shang-Chi who seems to actually be associated with him was Razor Fist. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that's kind of funny, considering yeah, what a yeah. low-level character he was in the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hang on. No, now, let me Google Shaoling real quick, just to be certain she doesn't have a comic book counterpart. Yeah, no, she is just an original character for the movie. Oh, okay. She was kind of needed, in my opinion, though. Like, yeah, yeah, yes, like, sure. like, like I said, they they did a fantastic job with very little. Yeah. Oh yeah. They made an epic fantasy Shang Chi movie work. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like I said, I'm interested to see how how he does being integrated into the larger Marvel universe. Yeah, it's definitely going to be it's going to be interesting to see. I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah, I just have no idea like where he's going to pop up next. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is we're we're at a point now where like it's getting really difficult to predict who's gonna show up when and where. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause like for a long time there it felt like we always knew what was coming and who was gonna be in which movie. But like now it's like with all these new characters being introduced, it's like, hmm. Uh I'm not quite sure what's happening now. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody, that's Storebrand Comics for the week. Um, thank you for listening. We This is just a little hobby podcast that me and Brandon do every week. We try to have episodes up every Friday. I think I missed last Friday um, because I just didn't have the energy to edit anything at the time. So, sorry, that's my fault. But um, other than that, uh, if you enjoyed, just uh, come back on whichever app you're listening on next Friday, and, uh, there should be another episode up then. Um, outside of the podcast, uh, Brandon does his own independent comic book stuff at Dismay Comics on Facebook and Instagram. You can check out his social media. That's D-I-S-M-A-Y Comics. Um, yeah, just keep track of stuff. His, his comics are very interesting and very good. Uh, I've read some of his stuff, and it's cool (laughs) um but yeah um other than that uh thank you very much for listening um i have been tio and he has been brandon and now we're not and we'll talk to you next week